Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 623 of the Juicebox Podcast. I posted an episode on February 1st, 2021, called Josh Has All the Feels. And without any planning whatsoever, on February 2nd, 2022, Josh is back to talk more about how he feels. If you haven't heard Josh's first episode, it won't really matter if you hear it first or second. Um... So you could listen to this and decide you want to hear more and then go find episode 435 or you can go to 435 right now, listen to that, and then come back to this. Any way you decide to do it, just remember that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. Please remember also... If you're a U.S. resident who has type 1 or is the caregiver of a type 1, I would love it if you took the survey at t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox. This episode of the Juicebox podcast is sponsored by Dexcom. Head over to dexcom.com forward slash juicebox and say hello to Dexcom. The podcast is also sponsored by Omnipod, makers of the Omnipod Dash and the recently announced Omnipod 5. To get started on that Omnipod Dash right now, go to omnipod.com forward slash juice box. You may be eligible for a free 30-day supply of the Omnipod Dash. Hi there, my name is um, Josh Tobby, and I am uh, not good at introducing myself, apparently. Um, I am Josh Tobby, and I was on an episode previously, and I'm coming back to do an update. I have type 1 diabetes, and I have children with type 1 diabetes. Ah, Josh, your episode was called... Josh has the Josh feels. has all the feels. All the feels. Josh has all the feels. Yes, you you certainly did that day. Do you generally speaking? Yes. Yeah. And I'm I'm really I'm I was I was very nervous on that episode and this episode I am just scared of what I'm going to say. So, I just don't know what I'm going to say. Are so, you, so the first time nervous, but then you got through that okay, and now this time because you're more comfortable, you feel like you might say things you don't mean to say. I I definitely I definitely I didn't hold back or anything on that first episode. It's just life has gotten even more complicated and even more feely that um, you know, it, it doesn't do the first episode title doesn't do a, a certain a good service to me because I have even more feels now. <laughs> All right. Well perfect. Everybody get your tissues and we're gonna talk yeah, to Josh. <laughs> And maybe that's the title. Josh has even more feels. <laughs> Josh found more feels, <laughs> but that sounds creepy. So we'll probably not go that way. Uh, but anyway, so uh, real quick, your background, your professional background. I am a licensed professional counselor here in Texas. Um, I enjoy my job at the VA. Um, that I guess that's my professional background. I work with um, mental health. 
Perfect. And you've had type one for? Since I was uh, in kindergarten. And so I think I'm actually coming up on 30 years now. Wow. Roughly. That's a big number. I want to say next Mother's Day will be 30 years. You got type one on Mother's Day? I got, at least I got diagnosed on Mother's diagnosed, Day. Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, you probably got it sooner. And then, yeah. Uh, yeah. Did you say that the last time? I think so. Okay. I, I, there's a story of, of um, uh, a baseball game. My dad wanted me to go, or I was at a baseball game. And after the baseball game, we were going to go to the hospital because, you know, I was urinating in the middle of the night and all that sort of stuff. My mom's a nurse and she, she knew the, the, the signs and symptoms had called my pediatrician. Pediatrician said, yeah, bring him in. And it ended up being a, a Mother's Day. Wow. We once got my mom a TV on Mother's Day, but not, <laughs> not the, you, you were really, uh, you were really on the edge of the of the cutting edge right there with that. Absolutely. Now, go over how many children you have. I've got three kiddos. I've got uh, Jack, who's 10, Lily, who's seven, and Olivia, who just turned three. When you just were, turned in June. Wow. Happy birthday. When um when you were on last time, which wasn't all that long ago, any of those I was going to say it was actually Arden's 16th birthday. You were on, so. on Arden's 16th birthday. Mm-hmm. Oh, so it's about a, a little over a year, a tiny bit over a year mm-hmm. since you recorded the last time. And we're still in the midst of COVID. Yeah, it's just here. It just lives here now. It, it's mm-hmm. uh, it's not. I, my son's like three weeks away from going back to college, and. I will tell you, and not that this maybe is a surprise to you or anybody listening, but um, if, if, if people didn't believe it at the beginning, my children need to go back to some sort of a, a, an existence that mirrors what they expect very, very badly. The, mm-hmm. the boredom is we've gone somehow around boredom and come back around the other side of it again. It's just, it's, it's absolutely impactful on them in ways that I don't think I understand yet. It's, I mean, in terms of development, kids and adults, it's just stunted development in, in life. Yeah. We're just literally standing still waiting for somebody to say, it's okay, go back again. And, uh, Mm -hmm. it's terrible. Uh, when I spoke to you last time, how many, uh, if any of your children had diabetes? Is that a question you ask everybody? Jeez. No. Um, I, uh, my seven-year-old was diagnosed, um, and, uh, I think we were, we were worried, um, about my, my 10-year-old. And I think I even gave an update right before you posted the episode, but, um, but now my 10-year-old, um, as of, I don't know, three or four months ago, maybe a little bit more time. Time is, is another thing that COVID has messed up. Um, he has been diagnosed with type one okay, so and he very quickly went from um, like just within a couple of weeks, went from just doing um, a long acting Traceba into um, doing a Novolog. Yeah. For, for meal and sun. He, so he didn't have much of a honeymoon at all. Well, he's still honeymooning and like, you know, it almost felt like uh, for a few weeks there, a couple weeks ago, that uh, we could even pull back all of the the Novolog and he would be all right. But um, but it just kind of comes and goes. Yeah, it comes and goes. Diabetes, it comes and goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, which just ends up being worse than yeah. it just being consistent. Because, mm-hmm. you know, as everyone can imagine, you, you come out in the morning doing what you think is right. And suddenly your body's like, oh, I can help too today. And you're like, no, I already put insulin in there. And then you're fighting lows all day long. 
Yeah. Yeah. So now your 10 year old, your seven year old, um, you, anybody else, dog have diabetes, parakeet, anything like that? No, not that I know of. Um, yeah, we, uh, we, we ended up getting my, my three-year-old, uh, tested through, um, uh, trial. Oh, what's that trial net? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, and she does not have the, um, any of the, the genes or whatever it is. So we're hoping that sticks. No antibodies or markers for her. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, hey, I'll not but she's only with. three and there's research, you know, out there that, that, uh, you know, three is kind of the, the young point in, in testing. So hmm. you, will you go do it again at some point? Probably not. Uh, just gonna. Like, it was a, it was a, it was kind of a, uh, you know, one of those personal ethical things of like, do we even want to do this right now? Yeah. Um, so was getting the uh, test like a drunk dial almost where you like just, <laughs> uh, no, no. no it, I mean, it was, it was a concerted, you know, yeah, we should just because, I mean, obviously something, some sort of, um, gene, something is, is against us. And, and, and so we gotta, we gotta get her tested just to kind of see so we can at least prepare. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you got the news you did. Um, I, I guess I'm just going to outright ask you, like, what's the impact when a second child's diagnosed? Well, it was interesting because the, the seven-year-old, um, she took it really, you know, really pretty well. Um, like the, her biggest memory of that time, um, of, of going to the hospital, she just stayed one night, um, was, finally getting to have her first insulin shot because she got a really, really good hot dog at the, at the hospital. <laughs> so that's kind of her personality. And she takes the, and both the kids take the shots just, you know, easy, but, um, uh, my seven-year-old lives in the moment and my 10-year-old has a little bit bigger of a perspective. So, you know, he's thinking about school because he hasn't been to school with diabetes yet. And so he's thinking about school and friends and, um, you know, having to leave the classroom, whether he wants to do that or not and all this sort of stuff. So um, the emotional impact has been bigger with him. But when it comes to you know, just making more room in the, uh, in the diabetes closet and more room in the refrigerator for insulin. It hasn't been that big of a deal. Yeah. So your son has a, like a wider view. And so he's planning for things and and that means worrying about things that he can't quite see completely yet where your daughter's more like a fruit fly. No offense. Like she's just, like, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, um, she understands and like, she'll even, if she, you know, is on her phone. So both the kids now have phones because with Dexcom, you got to. So, uh, um, they, you know, they, they have their phones and she'll bring it to us and say, Hey, we're, I'm getting high or I'm getting low. Mm-hmm. Usually it's low so that she can have some candy. But, uh, uh, but other than that, she's kind of, um, just take every moment as it is. Yeah. She's like, Oh, bad news. Low blood sugar. I'll go to the oh. closet. <laughs> mm-hmm. Don't worry. I'll figure this one right out. Um, their personalities like this prior to diabetes. Yeah. 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 You know, um, if, if Jack was on an episode with you, it would be Jack has all the feels as well. So he, um, he's, he's a lot like me and, um, it's one of those sorts of things where it's, um, you know, one, one, one bad thing will kind of mess up his day. 
uh, he'll let one bad thing kind of make it make it all bad. Um, and he really has to to work hard to uh, for his mind to change his heart, but his heart does the uh, does the talking. Yeah, oh, it's interesting. I might be a little like that too. Um, I'm definitely like that. Yeah, I, I don't know that it'll ruin my whole day, but I can I can start having fairly existential conversations with myself where I'm like, there's no answer to any of this, and I don't even know why I'm bothering to think about it. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it seems. I guess to me as an adult, it seems like if I can use this opportunity to think about what happened, like maybe I'll make a different or better decision in the future. If something like this comes up, I, I try to think of it more pragmatically like that. But there are times where if I just, if I was, a, it happened to me when I was a kid, like as an adult now, I'm better at it. But if I just like, when my heart starts pulling me, if I let it go, like it's going to definitely end up with me crying somewhere. <laughs> you know, like I, it might not be for long, but I'm going to be upset by the time it's over. Um, I can remember even the planning for the future stuff that you talked about when I was little, eight, nine, ten. I would sometimes make up scenarios of things to happen so that I could figure out how to handle them in case they happened. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and when you're eight, nine, 10, sometimes those things are, are nice and fun and, and fanciful. But then when you get to be uh, a grown up, you know, I, you know, sometimes go to bed thinking, okay, if someone were to break in my house right now, what would I do? You know, where's my nearest safety point? You know, just stuff like that, that, uh, I guess maybe, and maybe it's just me, but my adult brain uh, starts to do at night. Oh, Josh, I don't understand people who don't think through most of those things. <laughs> I don't, I don't, uh, what would I pick up? What can I hit them with? Would I tell the kids which way to go to get out? Like, you know, this whole thing. Um, and that's just on like one little idea. I, I once had this conversation with my brother-in-law and I was like, you've never thought about what to do if your house catches on fire. And he goes, no, I was like, oh God, I have like multiple plans <laughs> in case the fire's on one side, in case it's on the other side. Uh, I was like, why I can't, that's interesting to me, but I, I sometimes feel very, uh, jealous of those people because my house probably isn't going to catch fire and it's fairly likely that no one's ever going to break into my home. Although I do have a plan. I also know what I'm going to do if I find a genie bottle. So (laughs) I don't understand all you who don't have that thought out either because you know, you're going to get in the moment, screw it up and end up with a giant penis and no money. (laughs) So. And it's going to be so big, you're not going to be able to walk off the beach. And I know that's where you're going to find it on the beach because that's how it was in the cartoon when I was little. So yeah, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't get any, I don't get the not thinking things through. Now I'm not. Um, there's a word, there's a technical word that I don't know, like obsessive. I'm not obsessive about it. Um, I, I don't rethink through what's going to happen if someone breaks in. But I've had the the conversation with myself, like, what am I going to do here? How far would I be willing to go to help people? Like. I don't, yeah. I don't, you know what I mean? That kind of thing. I tend to, I can, I can usually um, shut myself off after uh, long enough and, and being able to say, you know, is there any, is there any good to this line of thinking? Mm-hmm. You know, that's, it's a, a, a counseling uh, uh, trick, not really a trick, but you know, something just to be mindful is like, is this line of thinking helpful? No, it's not. Are you At able least to- not. Are you able to use that with your son? We have broached it. Um, he doesn't. 
we we've we've certainly broached it in in a sense of like don't let this ruin your day is this is focusing on this helpful for having the, a, a good rest of your day but i don't think he um i don't think his his worries would would be so chronic um uh that he would that it that it would benefit that much but yeah in terms of um letting something ruin his day or um or even um <clears throat> it was actually last night it was about um about all the school stuff and being like look you know history has shown that your worries are always worse than things that actually happen so you know it doesn't it doesn't help to worry about it right now we still got you know, however long we have until school starts. So, yeah, that's the, uh, the, when I, when I try to tell people, like, I think worry is a waste of your imagination because you just start making things up that may or may not ever happen. And now you're stressed or anxious about things that very likely will never occur. And I like that. Yeah. The worry, worry is a waste of your imagination. Yeah. I mean, you really are just making up things in your head at that point. I mean, let's don't get me wrong. If, you know, seven days in a row, someone hits you in the head with a stick, <laughs> the, mm-hmm. night, the night you go to bed on the seventh day, you're like, yeah, I think that guy's going to hit me again with a stick tomorrow. <laughs> like, that's, that's a different thing. But when you have no reason to think this other than your own, you know, made up concerns, and it's hard to t- explain to a child that you're, you're making things up, you know, that, mm-hmm. that may or may not ever happen. Like, wait to see if they happen, then be upset if you want to be or, or come up with a plan. Uh, that's something. Is, uh, God, I'm sorry, you're going to say something. But to think about, you know, kind of going back and looking at it in, in, a, in a bigger perspective, right? Um, we were actually also talking yesterday. There's a, there a lot of deep conversations yesterday about, you know, people don't usually live through a pandemic. This is not a usual thing, you know, and and so everybody has had to deal with these these things thrust upon them, um, and uh, and and having to relinquish control of certain aspects of life, and and for that's what that's kind of what being diagnosed with diabetes, um, and it, and 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 lots of other chronic illnesses is is you know where you you relinquish that control you um you no longer get to uh i don't know i don't know what i'm trying to to say there but it's it the the the, we the covid thing um has affected everybody like it's a chronic illness Mm -hmm. yeah i so there's, I don't know if it's a saying or something, it's an idea or a concept, I, I don't really know, but the idea of that the worst thing that's ever happened to you is the worst thing that's ever happened to you. And so if you've lived through, I mean, listen, I'm 50, right? If I look back over my life right now, what do I remember? Cuban Missile Crisis? Nope, that was before me, really. I remember gas shortage. I remember the space shuttle blowing up. I remember... Reagan getting shot, um, you know, like it, it, these are things that never really touched me. I grew up in a part of the country. I didn't see bad weather that was frightening. Um, so for me, the world was a place that was about getting up, taking a shower, going to school, or playing with my friends, 
trying to keep my parents off my back, trying to find a Playboy magazine in the woods somewhere. Like this was pretty much my existence, right? Like it was a 1980s version of Stand By Me for the most part. Like nothing too terrible was happening. And Mm -hmm. now all of a sudden, not only has that been our existence, that's now the vibe I laid on my kids when they were little and then they got computers and cell phones and the internet. Like I had the internet a little bit when I was younger. I'm talking about the real internet. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I can, yeah. like I could send my desk through my my internet connection at this point. It's so fast, and um, it's a different world. Everything feels possible. Everything feels like you can get to it. Um, I grew up thinking that I could never write a book because I didn't know someone that wrote a book. But when my son wanted to play baseball he immediately had contact with a number of people who had played baseball in college and and professionally. And all of a sudden this feels real. And that makes Mm -hmm. the world feel at your fingertips. It makes you, it gives you a feeling of control that is not true. It's not really true. And I hate to Mm -hmm. say something like we're all on a rock that's hurling through space, but we're all on a rock that's hurling through space. (laughs) And so once things got so like that, once, people's lives could even get segmented. Like there are plenty of people who don't live the life I've described. Right. But because of the way society set up, I don't see them. So they're a story or an idea, right? There's a town somewhere where nobody has money or nobody works or drugs are really a huge problem. That's not where I live. And it suddenly feels like I can bring the parts of life to me that I need. And the parts that I don't want to see, I don't have to see And then this thing happened and you're like, oh, I'm not in control of anything. This could have happened at any time. And, um, it's a, it's, I, to say it's a huge adjustment is an understatement. People are still adjusting to the idea and Mm -hmm. you, and, and by the time a, a generation of people realize that sometimes I have a mask in my pocket and I need it. And sometimes I have a mask in my pocket and I don't need it. And that there's times of year when things ebb and flow and rules change. Once that becomes so normal, you know, it's going to stop. And then you'll have a generation of people who are just like constantly thinking it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And then one day it won't come. We'll get through a whole another generation and those children will be like, Oh, it's not going to happen. And then, I mean, then who knows? It could happen again in five minutes or it could be a distance of time like between now and the Black Plague. So, yeah, yeah, that's an overwhelming, that lack of the fallacy of control is now suddenly tangible for, for literally for everybody. That's how, I see, that's how I see it anyway. And now I see, and I see your son's situation as like a microcosmos of that issue. If that makes sense. it a hundred percent is. I mean, about, I would, I think about six weeks ago, um, maybe, maybe, okay. Yeah. About six weeks ago, I'm going to take a step back. So when they, uh, diagnosed my son, you know, he didn't do any hospitalization. He didn't do anything like that. Cause we kind of knew it was coming. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they did run a test for um, da, 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 celiac and come to find out he has celiac. Oh. Um, we had, we did an endoscopy to, uh, to verify. And that was the, um, at that point, 
the most frightening thing um, in my in my uh, in my life of you know seeing my son you know go under and that sort of thing. So uh, life, like that feeling of okay, okay, he has type one. We we got this, and and that control being ripped again. Or that feeling like, okay, I, I have things under control being ripped again. It's kind of, uh, you, you, you led me right into, um, that, that turn that, um, that celiac has, has, uh, really messed with, with any sort of, um, security that we had been building mm-hmm. because it's so recent. Um, we're still, you know, adjusting our, our kitchen and, and all that sort of stuff to, um, to dealing with that. It's almost like, it's almost like you're being attacked by multiple sides and Mm -hmm. you're, you start fortifying, like like first you come to the conclusion that I am this happy person who lives in a house in the middle of the woods and everything's great. I smell flowers and sunshine. And then somebody comes from the East and you're like, Oh no, we're being attacked by the East, you know, from the East. And then you fortify, fortify, fortify. And then you get to the point where you're like, Oh, okay, we can withstand this onslaught. Great. And before you can breathe again, somebody's coming from the West and you're just like, oh, oh, okay, okay, okay. Except it's that added level of it's happening to your kid, which is contextually something that no one who doesn't have children can understand. Like I, I tried to, I was telling my wife the other day, my son has an, an injury right now and it, it, it could end up being pretty uh, impactful on his baseball life. Mm-hmm. And um, I was talking to my wife about it, and I said, I can't decide if I'm more upset that his his path has been diverted and that all this effort he's put into something could have could end up feeling wasted, which would be a shame, um, or if I'm more upset that he's actually physically hurt, or if I'm more upset that of the things that won't happen for him or just that my son's having a problem. I was like, it is so confusing inside of me, Uh, but all I can tell you is that I'm always worried about all of you. Like I'm worried about him. I'm worried about you. I'm worried about my daughter. I said, I think about my brother. I think about my mom. Like my mom is 78 and I don't think a day goes by where I don't think like I should call my mom or go visit my mom. And I can't most of the time, like most of the time I can't do that. And then I think of her being by herself. And that makes me think about that, you know, when she had an opportunity, she didn't leave us. And I know all of this is fairly unreasonable and that people grow up and get older and that children don't have as much time to talk to their parents. But I still think about it fairly regularly, not for long. It doesn't hurt me. It doesn't crush me. But I'm always aware of it. I'm always aware that I could have done something else or maybe I should have said a thing here or zigged when I zagged. And um, I, again, I think them as, as growing ideas. But I realized as I was talking to my wife, like she does not think like that at all. And, and I think she looked at me for five minutes like I was unwell. <laughs> and I was like, no, no, no. I'm like, I, I think you're, you're seeing it t- too harshly. I'm just saying you guys seem to be the most important thing in the world to me. And I take that job. Uh, I fortify my, my, my flanks all the time. I'm always trying to help them or put somebody in a good position 
or something like that. And I realized as we were sitting in the doctor's office waiting for my son to talk to this person that it was the third most scared I've ever been in a medical situation in my life. One of them was uh, Kelly. They thought Kelly might have a um, a blood clot in her lung when she was pregnant the first time, which she ended up not having. But just the time where we thought she did mm-hmm. was the was the most scared I've ever been until somebody told me Arden had diabetes. And then as I sat with my son, just waiting to hear about the health of his elbow, I realized that I was more frightened then than I was when a doctor kind of said out loud, I, my iron had gone way down and the doctor said, this is a sign of cancer. And I of course don't have cancer and that didn't end up being like, thankfully what it was. But I can tell you that when he said that to me, was not as frightening as sitting and waiting to find out about my son's elbow. And there's certainly a, um, you know, a parenting aspect of that and a personality aspect of that. And I think, you know, I share that same thing. Um, when, you know, we're, we're, we're sitting there in the waiting room during this endoscopy, we're kind of, I, I'm, you know, I'm I'm kind of worried about the 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 immediate thing of you know um, what is what is this going to happen to him uh, today like how is he going to take this today um, what are we going to you know all those things of what are we going to do um, and I know my wife was worried about that as well but then she she sometimes can um, have an even bigger you know perspective of like you know he uh he's not going to be able to um in like going to to someone's wedding and if they don't have you know a gluten-free cake then these these little things in life that that um continue to remind uh remind us of these illnesses and um and and it, it, it took me back to when i was diagnosed so, well, for last, last episode, um, I had, it took me about two weeks from my, my, my daughter's, the very first, you know, type one diagnosis that we had, um, for the kids to realize, oh, I'm, I, at first I was really scared that my daughter was going to have the same sort of, um, upbringing with diabetes that I did, but it took me a little bit to realize, oh, no way, things have changed a lot, um, you know, thank goodness for Dexcom and and things like and and uh, carb counting. So things have changed a lot, and really nothing um, in her, like we talked about, you know, in her day to day life has has affected her. You know, I get less sleep because I'm constantly monitoring blood sugars. My wife gets less sleep, but um, it was it was nice to kind of have that peace. Okay. This is what it's going to be like, you know, there's, there's future worries about, you know, having children and, or, you know, for her and, and all this sort of stuff. But then now celiac comes and celiac pretty much does exactly what it changes exactly that part of life that I had to change whenever I was young with type one. And that's that diet. And so it's like, this okay sense of comfort and then the the carpet pulled out again and you're right that that 
I, I, I am infinitely more upset that it's my son and not me. Um, we, we, you know, we were told by his endo, um, not his endo, his gastro uh, doctor to, you know, have everybody in the, in the family tested just because his genetic and that <clears throat> sort of stuff happens. And so um, I got tested. And if you want me to go on a long rant about the state of um, healthcare again, I'm pretty sure I did that last time. I can, because it was trouble enough to get me to get a doctor to approve my test. But um, so I got tested for celiac. And um, when I got tested, I was wishing that I had it. Um, I wanted to. I wanted him to not be alone because that's what I felt when I was younger of this because I didn't know any type ones. I, you know, all this diet stuff was, was new and changed for me. And I wanted to be, I wanted him to have um, someone just to that, that he wouldn't be the only one, Mm -hmm. but um I guess fortunately I'm negative for, for celiac. Um, unfortunately, my youngest, my three-year-old um, is positive for celiac. Wow. So we have two, we have all three of our kids have chronic illnesses and split up. So um, I forget. Does your wife have anything? No, she hasn't been able to get the test yet, but she, um, she'll be hopefully getting that ordered in the next few months to see, Beyond but that. she, she doesn't have any celiac symptoms right now, yeah. so, but she doesn't, yeah, she doesn't have any sort of, um, uh, chronic illnesses or anything like that. You know, I guess except she has scoliosis, but, uh, <laughs> that has not affected her. Yeah. I feel like that's something you would all trade for right now. You're like, I'll take yeah. that instead of this. That's fine. Um, <laughs> You know, it's funny, you're you're so um, sincere when you're talking that I thought of a weird joke to make a second ago that I held in because... <laughs> I've held in so many jokes so far. Yeah, because... because I, I want to know what sort of woods um, up there in the... In, was it Pennsylvania or Pittsburgh that you grew up? Uh, Pennsylvania, near Philly. Pennsylvania. What yeah. sort of woods in Pennsylvania grows play, playboys? I don't know, but but people just leave them in piles. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they did back before the internet, at least. <laughs> um, so you know, I've I've spoken to you a little bit on and off off the show as well. So I know you're 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 a, a well natured, like funny person. And uh, when I asked if your wife had anything, I wa- I was going to say besides horrible taste in men. <laughs> I, well, I mean. <laughs> For sure. I mean, it's it that was that was that it was and, and, and continues to kind of to to irk my my own mental health of of um, that. These are all, you know, genetic things. And, right. uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty I'm pretty stable in the uh, it wouldn't have changed probably anything that we would have done mm-hmm. um, or anything like that. And, you know, it oh. doesn't change how we um, interact with the children, except for probably. Um, probably increases our patience in some other aspects of life, but um, uh, it, it, yeah. I mean, I don't mean this like you should feel this way or that you should even do it. I'm just asking the question. Have you ever apologized to her?
I'm going to tell you about two very important things before we get back to Josh and find out his answer. And by the way, this episode just keeps climbing. It's it's really wonderful. Josh is uh, being very open. And uh, anyway, these are supposed to be the ads. Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. What you need is a continuous glucose monitor. You need to be able to see the speed, direction, and number of blood sugar. That is very important when you're using insulin. You can pick up your phone as I'm picking up mine now. Swipe up, touch an app. My daughter's blood sugar is 87. It's also drifting down a little bit. It's got me thinking, maybe it's not going to hold up. She just got into bed, and I'm going to do something about it before it becomes a problem. Imagine that. Imagine knowing where your blood sugar is headed so that you can get ahead of it. Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. When you get there, you can get started right now with Dexcom. You can learn more about it, or you can say hello to Dexcom. Now I'm gonna actually go to the website, .com forward slash juice box. And what happens is when you get there, you're gonna see everything you need to know. You can get started with Dexcom G6. It'll tell you all the things about Dexcom that are important. But if the website feels like you're gonna leave, right? It's like, oh, are you gonna leave? Click on this. It pops up and it says, before you go, are you interested in a free Dexcom G6 sample? What? A 10 day trial empowers you to make more informed decisions and deliver a new level of diabetes management. Request a sample, there's a button right there. That's at Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. I am just old enough to wonder how the website knows you're about to click off of it. Like, you know what I mean? Like I understand technology, but that still seems like voodoo magic. Anyway, go check it out. While you're on the internet, you might as well head over to omnipod.com forward slash juice box and get started today on a, Ooh, on what? What what am I going to talk about here? What do you think? I'm going to say the dash because they have a free trial, a 30 day trial that you may be eligible for of the Omnipod dash. If you like it, you just keep going with it. It's all good, right? And you know how I've been telling you about the Omnipod promise for months and months. I keep saying like, you know, if you're waiting for the next big thing, you don't have to wait because with the Omnipod promise, remember all that? Well, guess what? Now I can say what I really mean. There's no need to wait for the Omnipod 5 because with the Omnipod promise, you can upgrade to the Omnipod 5 at no additional cost as soon as it's available to you and covered by your insurance. Terms and conditions apply. And you can find out all the details at omnipod.com forward slash juice box. And if you want to find out more about the Omnipod 5, go to omnipod.com forward slash juice box 5. I think there's even like a little list there where you can tell Omnipod, I'm going to be interested in that Omnipod 5 when it's ready. Uh, let me know. That's uh, it's big news. Omnipod 5 just got its FDA clearance just a few days ago. And if you want to know more about it, you should check out episode 620, where I interview the CEO and senior vice president of Omnipod, and we talk all about it. Omnipod.com forward slash juice box or forward slash juice box five. Check it out. There are links to Dexcom, Omnipod, and all the sponsors at juiceboxpodcast.com or right there in the show notes of your podcast player.
Have you ever apologized to her? To to my wife? Yes. Yeah. 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 And you know, and and I guess in my uh, my deeper into the that spiral that that well, you know, just kind of said, you know, you should have married somebody else. Hmm. Um, but that's what I I'm talking about with my son, though. You can't really know what to do or what not to do. In I mean, honestly, before the, even though you had type one, did you really, when you were in your twenties? think that any of what's happening to you right now is going to happen? No, no. You would have no way to believe that this was going to happen, right? So um, when I was in my 20s, um, let's see, I, w- I mean, it was it was still early 20s. Um, so it would have been, you know, 10 years ago, right after we had my oldest, that we went to a geneticist. And I guess, you know, I don't know the timeline of of research and how they the the education that has evolved with um how type one comes about but they told us that because i don't have i don't have anybody in my family i don't know i don't know anybody at least at that time that has type one diabetes that there was some sort of some sort of fluke and that we shouldn't worry that the 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 um the chances for type one in our kids um, is much less because I don't have any genetic link. Hmm. Yeah. Well, that didn't work out. I, uh, no. I, I no. <laughs> because this is going to, it's like the internet. It's like giving us false control over life. Yeah. Oh, oh, it's, oh, I, I think that all the time that when someone tells you like, oh, your one kid has diabetes, that's only a 10%, uh, greater risk for someone else to, uh, in your family. I always think like that's something they tell you. It's almost like the there'll be a cure in like five years. Don't worry. Like it's there's mm-hmm. there's like hope nuggets that people like, like to try to sprinkle on you. I like how people will come on here and say like my doctor doesn't seem to meaningfully understand diabetes at all. But I do really believe this thing that they said. <laughs> I was like, yeah, because it, it's confirmation bias. You're like, you want to hear that. You want to hear that you're not, you know, at any greater risk. I'll tell you that prior to us having kids, you know, I remember my wife saying people in my family are in the bathroom a lot. Right. But who knows what that means? Well, it takes, you know, then suddenly the grandmother gets a celiac diagnosis. When that happens, I don't think, Oh geez, we shouldn't have children because one of our kids might have an autoimmune disease. Like that's not where your brain goes. You're just like, Oh, grandma can't eat bread. And, you know, and like, that's sort of how it is. Like you, we understand celiac now much, much better than we did even 20 years ago. And so you're just like, okay, whatever. And no one else in her family has any real history of anything like that. I'm adopted, of course. So who knows? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, My iron's probably been an issue my entire adult life. I didn't know about that. And Kelly, you know, gets a, a thyroid issue after having Arden, but we didn't even understand the connections then back then either. It took Arden's nurse practitioner years and years ago to say, because we couldn't get anybody to give Kelly a diagnosis on her thyroid. And so I was talking about it one day. So that, so then that's me. Like this podcast shouldn't be any surprise to people who really know me. Like I, I have a problem. If I can't figure it out, I start talking to other people yeah. until, until somebody just goes, Oh, I know what that is. Like to me, that's like the human internet. Like you just keep pinging people until they have a response that's valuable. And so we find out for that. 
Um, and now Cole has Hashimoto's, you know, which isn't diagnosed till he's 21 years old. Hmm. And I, I don't know what's coming next or isn't coming, but I can tell you that yesterday I spent a number of hours meeting with people from Prevention Bio, which if you listen to the podcast is the company that came on here and talked about Temizaplob. If I'm saying it wrong, Temizaplob, I don't know how they maybe should have picked a different name for that drug, but, um, <laughs> and I, uh, and so I had to sit down with them about how maybe they, you know, how maybe the podcast could help them get the word out about what they're doing or, or something. And it was a very, um, preliminary conversation. And, um, at the end of it, I said, listen, I think what you guys are doing involves science. We understand, um, which means that you don't need to invent something for the next thing to happen. This thing's either going to work or it isn't right. And you're going to, while you're trying to prove it out and get it rolling, if I can be helpful with that, I will be because I think it's valuable whether it works or not. The, the endeavor is very valuable. And then I said words I've never said before. I said, because you know, my children's kids could have diabetes. And I never thought that out loud before in my life. But it's completely true. It's completely true that my children might have children who have celiac or a thyroid problem or diabetes or any number of issues like that. And there are times when Arden's like, I think I might just adopt if I have kids. And it seems like a very, it's not a scared statement. It seems like a mature statement. Like, you know, um, she's never said, I don't want to keep this train going, but I think right now, cause she's young, it's more like, I do not want to have to help a kid with diabetes might be her. I'm sure that will change as she gets older, like her feelings around it. I'm never going to really know until she's older what this is about. Um, when she can maybe more fully contextualize it for me, but, I just found myself at that meeting thinking yeah, maybe I could do something today that might help family members. I never know, you know what I mean? And yeah. so let's see what that does. But I mean, cause what's the other option? You just stop living and, and that doesn't seem valuable either. No, you know, I guess my, my, uh, my thoughts have never gone. Um, they, I guess they don't, they don't stay on, you know, the, the health of, of grandkids, but uh, certainly we have talked about and thought about, you know, the, the, the genetic joining of any of our kids and someone else. Um, and how, um, you know, letting, um, letting any, any of my kids, future partners know about me being a, uh, uh, alpha one, any trips and deficiency. I don't know if you remember that from the episode, but, um, uh, and that, and, and that causing can cause more acute issues, um, uh, earlier on in life. So that idea of, of passing it on, it's, it's scary and it, and it, but you're right in that it can't, it can't stop us. When you said that, what Arden said, you know, the first thing that came to my head was, um, you know, that, um, that usual, I, I say usual, but oftentimes with chronic illnesses, you have this lower self-esteem, you have this, um, you know, mild depression can happen. And so uh, it was kind of screaming of that. But if she is, 
if she is thinking of it in a, in a, a different way, um, then, then yeah, that can be a very mature, um, aspect of, um, yeah. of her personality. Who knows? She doesn't seem depressed to me and she doesn't seem, uh, burdened by diabetes to me. Uh, mm-hmm. but you know, I, I don't know, like, you know, we'll, we'll see. I'm just trying to be aware of things. I can tell you that even though I said it out loud for the first time yesterday, privately in my mind, and this is way pre-planning, but we turned, talked about pre-planning in the beginning. I've one, I've often thought that if one day one of my children has a baby, the first time I hold it, I don't want to think, please don't have diabetes one day when I, when I hold the baby for the first time. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm wondering if I'll be able to like consciously not have that thought. Um, cause I feel like that's going to be the first thing I think when the, my skin touches their skin, you know, and, and, and you feel the first connection of it. I, I feel yeah. like I'm going to feel like, please just don't have to deal with this. Um, but I don't know, you know, do you think, uh, do you think Arden, you know, when it, when it comes to taking care of a kid with diabetes, do you think Arden, um, thinks you have to start a podcast and you have to interview people daily and, and all that sort of stuff. She's like, I don't have the stamina for that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think she thinks that at all. Actually. uh, I said to her one day, I was like, would you like to take, like, say I get too old one day. Do you, would you like to try to just take the podcast over? And she goes, that's your thing. I'm okay. And I was like, okay, fine. (laughs) I don't think she sees it like that at all. Actually. She's, if you haven't heard the episode with her yet, it's eye opening. (laughs) I, I, you know, um, Josh has even more feels. I have not, not just your podcast, but honestly, I have not listened to, to any podcasts in probably three months. Yeah, your life's a little um, upside down, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, moments that um, I have earbuds in, I'm usually listening to uh, either really sad music or heavy metal. So um, just kind of uh, keeping going. That makes sense to me. Maybe I should just have a whole episode of sad music and heavy metal. Maybe people would like that a little bit. <laughs> just, I mean, it could be sad heavy metal. So um, probably be. most most of it is probably sad. So, <laughs> well, listen, yeah. I, wait, hold on, Josh. We're not getting past that without finding out. Like, what are some of your favorite metal bands? Oh man. Um, so I go back to this. I go back to a comfort area of whenever I was younger and definitely listening to, um, to corn, um, to Pantera. Uh, some, oh. some Metallica, uh-huh. um, uh, that sort of, um, era of things, something like if I'm in the car and I'm really having all the feels, you know, um, I used to be big into car audio until I realized it was a waste of money. And, uh, and, and so I'll just, you know, belt it out and, and scream and annoy everybody on the road. Um, but then when I get home, I can be, you know, the calm Mr. Dad. Yeah. Yeah. Do that a little bit. I, I, I might have a couple of playlists that fit that, uh, that feeling. Um, <laughs> when I miss my son, I listen to rap music, which I don't, partic- <laughs> which I don't particularly love. Although some of it I do, um, I'm guessing it's his rap music it's, that, it's his, that you're listening it's to. Music that so we drive to so much baseball together. Uh yeah. And because we are the kind of parents, which if you listen to Arden's episode, you'll see, like we don't stifle the kids really. So you know when it's his turn to put music on, and it's 
you know, Pop Smoke, Meek Mill, Dave East, like stuff like that. I just, I try to find something that I like. It turns out the things about it I like, he doesn't even know. I'm like, I like the guy. I was like, the guy's got a, like a really great resonance in his voice. And he's like, what are you listening to? I was like, <laughs> I wonder what microphone he's using. <laughs> I just, know? I'm like, it's comforting. Like, like, show me a picture of him. He's like, why do you need to see him? I was like, is he as big as his voice? And he's like, who cares? I was like, all right. I was like, but you know, once he's off at school for a while, if I find myself missing him, I put his music on. Um, I, I'll go through like rolls through like old Metallica and stuff like that. I'm not a person who puts on music like from when I was a kid too much. Like I remember how much I loved guns and roses, but I don't really need to hear it anymore. Mm -hmm. Feeling if I get, um, and I'm trying to calm down. I listen to the cello. Um, and I've started to like more of seventies. I mean, which uh, stuff that I would have thought was oldies when I was in the nineties, but now you realize how good it was like Crosby, Stills and Nash and stuff like that. Like you didn't, you know what I mean? Like, so there's always a place in my heart for Crosby, Stills and Nash yeah. and Cat Stevens and Paul Simon and Neil Diamond, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So I'm so glad that radio is not really a thing anymore because the last time it was, they were playing guns and roses on, on an oldie station one time. And I was like, all right, mm -hmm. I'm done paying attention to the lineage of this. Now I'm like, I do not need to feel badly about this. Um, but yeah, I just, uh, that all makes sense to me, you know? Um, slightly not really off topic. What genre do you think ABBA is? What ABBA. would you consider ABBA? I mean, ABBA's pop, isn't it? My is wife it? and I were discussing it, so I didn't really know. I didn't know what I was uh, kind of putting it into. Where did you have it? You know, in in between like a, a disco rock sort of thing. Yeah, I guess that it had that flavor. So if you just Google it, it comes up rock, rock pop. I don't mm -hmm. think I, I would not see it as rock. But. That sounds like um, the categories that Best Buy used to put their CDs in. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> There's a picture of them on stage here in these white robes. And to be honest, they look like a Christian band in this, in this, <laughs> in this image. They really do look like they're going to tell me the, I, I should listen to Jesus in this, in this one here. And then they get a little more hippie-ish at times in their photos. It's interesting. I only know the one song. Mm-hmm. So, although I have seen the musical, <laughs> I can't believe I just said that. <laughs> what was it called? Um, was it Mamma Mia? No. Yeah. No, there was an ABBA. Oh, God. I don't Mamma Mia is a musical, but I don't think it was. It wasn't the ABBA musical. There was, they did like a stage thing. It was just ABBA music. Uh, I really don't remember. My wife took me to it. I will be a hundred percent honest about that. And oh my god, the wow! Here's a weird memory. Okay, I don't want to bum everybody out, but you're on, so it's okay. Um, <laughs> it was uh, we had tickets, and the night before my father passed away, I spent the whole night in the hospital. I came home. I got a few hours of sleep. Woke up. Got in a shower. Got on a train and went to Manhattan. And I remember sitting in that musical like numb and and exhausted, and uh, but I didn't want to let people down that you know we had this thing and we went anyway. Uh, maybe that's yeah. why I didn't enjoy it. 
I guess now that I'm looking back, <laughs> certainly can uh, have some uh, repercussions of what you what you're doing around such a dramatic time. Yeah, I couldn't even believe that I uh, I, I didn't remember that until just now. Actually, I wish I could remember the name of that damn musical because it wasn't Mamma Mia. Where was it? Oh, damn it, I'll find out and put it on some episode <laughs> somewhere. Um, anyway, I mean, music's incredibly helpful uh, it, at different times. Um, and you don't like, see, I actually like to hear people talk when I'm upset though, but, but I like yeah. to hear them talk about something that has nothing to do with me. I know. I think I probably am usually the same way. And then that's, I mean, I love podcasts, mm. but if something, I don't know, something just kind of shook me out of that. Yeah. Um, uh, that I guess that need at that time, um, and just needing to um uh, just needing to be more ever present yeah yeah that makes uh, sense so well you don't want to disappear too right like you don't mm-hmm. want to you don't want to have a situation where you find yourself like retracting from the family either which that would be i guess kind of understandable and at the same time it's hard to reverse once you start doing stuff like that so like you, you got to kind of stay in it. I mean, the truth of it is too. Like to, to unpack it a different way, you've had diabetes for thirty years. You okay? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, you're okay, right? Like, get up, you yeah. go to work, you have a car, you listen to music, you buy food, you eat. Like, th- the truth is, is it's a disappointment and a shaking of expectation, but it's not really the end of anything. It's just a change of, of, of from what you expected to what you got. Like, that's how I was thinking about my son the other day. I was like, if this ends up like sidelining him for a long time or stopping him, he's still a really bright, happy, energetic person who's smart. And like, it's, it's, it's going to be this one little aspect of his life. That's going to be different. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I'm not minimizing diabetes. Certainly I'm, I'm as impacted by it as anybody else, uh, in my situation. But I mean, Arden got up this morning, she got in the shower, she got dressed, she went off to her high school to do some community service and, um, and she'll spend four or five hours there by herself. She'll come home. I haven't heard from her. I mean, I could pick up her thing right now and I don't even know what her blood sugar is, but I'll look for you. It's like, 97 uh it hasn't been over 110 in the last three hours she's been out of here for like quite some time i don't know if she's eaten or she hasn't eaten today um her life she's still doing the um the uh why am i blinking on it i'm doing it as well you want to say loop yeah. Is yeah. she still doing the loop? She is doing the loop right now. I am. We're, I think we're so close to Omnipod five right now, but I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. and so we are going to try it and we're very hopeful for it. Uh, just because it's less, you know, it's more off the shelf and less, you know, DIY, um, yeah. for certain. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's what she's doing. It's, you know, I, I had a long meeting yesterday. I was out of the house for four hours in the afternoon. I met them for dinner. When I got there, she was having nachos. Like, you know, they had water ice afterwards. I mean, her life doesn't look, I mean, with the exception of picking up her cell phone and pushing a couple of buttons last night, I I mean, I don't see that her life looks any different than anybody else's. Mm -hmm. And 
when you said um, you said something where it doesn't you know take anything um, away, you know that that's that's where that um, that that thing of of pulling me back to when I was six and and stuff like that um, happens because uh, it's been six weeks since my son has had a happy meal. Right. You know, and, and it's just that those, uh, those double whammies, my, my, my seven-year-old who, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not saying she started all this, but her diagnosis started all this. Uh, um, she's, she's living the repercussions of, you know, a family member with celiac. So right. her diet, um, changing some too, and just kind of, um, uh, learning how to, appropriately deal with my own guilt of, um, of, you know, going and, 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 and wanting, uh, raising canes or something like that, you know, and, um, and my son not being able to. So it's been those, there has been a lot of, um, day-to-day changes that we still have not, um, we still haven't figured out. Let me ask I'm you. really hopeful that there, there might be um, people that, that might listen to this out there that can help because I, I've, we've talked to people, adults with celiac, but it has never been um, uh, how, how I haven't really found anything good about how to deal with, um, I guess what I was just kind of talking about yeah. some of that guilt and some of the, um, <laughs> you know, the, the day-to-day changes. So if, if, excuse me one second, if I was you, I put myself in your shoes now and I have all your credentials and your backgrounds and now you're the people you help. Um, explain to me why, explain to me why I can't just say to you, Josh, stop it. I know that's a weird thing because I understand bigger why I can't. Why can't I just say, Josh, stop? This isn't your fault. You didn't do this. This is the situation. Are you telling me the worst thing in the world is your kid's not going to eat McDonald's? That might even be a good thing. Like, <laughs> like, like, do you know what I mean? Like, like, let's move on, man. Like, is there something wrong with that approach? Um, that approach is a, is much more of a confrontational approach. It's a mm-hmm. reality therapy, um, approach. It's what, um, uh, I hate saying his name, but it's what Dr. Phil does, okay. you know, and, um, and there's, there, there isn't anything, um, wrong with that, especially if, when, if, if someone is, is stuck, you know, if it's been a long time and they're stuck at that, yeah. um, that feeling, um, that, uh, that there hasn't been any sort of, um, change, any sort of, of movement in, in, you know, their behaviors, their, their, um, their emotions. So how um, long, how long would you, as a professional, how long would you say if you were treating yourself, I know that's not how this works, but if you were seeing mm-hmm. somebody with your situation, how long do you let them stay in this situation before you say, Hey, it's time to start moving. That's a really good question. And, and I was, as I was talking, I was asking myself that cause I was like, man, that's the next, that's the next thing to, to say, okay, how long is, is, is too long. And I wonder, you know, I think a a very uh, clear example would be that if 
um, if I notice that mine or my wife's mental health is um, is preventing the kids from from moving on, mm-hmm. you know, um, we we definitely I feel like are taking it harder than than the kids, but we you know again are having that longer perspective. Um, so if uh, if we are um, if we're really dragging the house down, I would say that um, it can be it can be too long. Yeah. But certainly, like you know, I can tell you, you know, with 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 depression that when um, when when individual symptoms start becoming um, even more of an issue, you know, um, like for for me, it really became sleep. Um, sleep has been an issue lately mm-hmm. that, um, you know, that, okay, your body is not going to be, I'm, I can't handle this much longer. I need to find, I need to find a way out mm-hmm. emotionally. Um, yeah. So that's why I listen to corn. Yeah. No, I listen, <laughs> I, 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 I don't think, I mean, I guess there's, to contextualize it in a completely farcical way in every zombie show, the people who stand around and go, Oh my God, they're eating Katie get eaten too. <laughs> so it's the, it, it's the people who go, Oh, Katie's down. Let's get the hell out of here. Those people are always okay. Like the people who move forward, don't stop and don't get me wrong. Eventually in later episodes, they're very sad, <laughs> but it's um, it just like, maybe this is a moment in your life that will feel differently in a year, like, like, I think from listening to you and from understanding your background and from having spoken to you in the past, you have a firm grasp of what has happened here. You understand the impacts of it for your son, for your wife, for your children, for yourself. So cognitively, you have it. Now staying here is just torture after that. And are you making that decision to feel badly a little longer because it feels like it's your fault? And is it because you're connecting having diabetes 30 years ago with having it today, which it's not like, but then all of a sudden becomes like because of the celiac diagnosis, except I don't know, man, like what are you missing with a celiac diagnosis? Really? Like bread and pasta and, like, I don't know. Like, I've never looked into it. I do know, by the way, for people listening, that episode 439 is part of the How We Eat series, which is about being gluten-free. I just wanted to throw <laughs> a plug in there for the podcast. Um, I'm actually really proud of the How You Eat series. There's, uh, God, maybe 10 of them now. Uh, um, plant-based, gluten-free, low-carb, vegan, carnivore, flexitarian, intermittent fasting, keto, FODMAP, uh, people who eat the Bernstein way. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm enjoying talking to people about how they eat. Uh, but what I can tell you about every one of them is that every one of them is doing something that is in some way restrictive and no one feels that way. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the things that's been the most um, fascinating about talking to them is that from an outsider's perspective or from a perspective of someone whose son was just diagnosed, it feels like it's all about the things you can't have but the people who've been living it for a while don't feel that way. And that would make me feel better if I was you. I wonder, you know, going back to control and choice, 
you know, and I don't know, I, I, have, I have not listened to those episodes. I know that my wife listened, went back and listened to um, particular episodes in, in y'all's, um, in your, in your series of, of, of different things that might be helpful um, for the celiac diagnosis. But uh, I want, you know, I would like for, I would like for me and my son, because there's, there's times just kind of seeing him to have, you know, that option. Does he look like you, Josh? Does my son look like me? Yeah. Um, Does he look like you when you were little? I would say so. I think my mom would probably say so in yeah. some ways. I wonder if that bothers you too. Do you feel <laughs> like you're looking at yourself sometimes? Uh, he, he likes Legos. He like he likes um, video games. I don't think he likes corn. Um, I don't think he's listened to it. But you know, he we we are very very similar. You know, um, and also it's it's one of those things where it's like uh, you know we're the we're the two boys here. So if your son came to you in a moment of clarity and, and maturity and said, "Dad, are you happy with your life?" You would, I would tell- start crying immediately just because he asked me that. Oh, okay. <laughs> But what, what, forget it. I'll ask you. Are overall, like, is it a good life? It's been, yes. Okay. But I don't know how long it took me to answer that question. Right. And how many seconds that was because, um, um, I've been in a bubble, you know, I've been, um, I've been very, I've been very deep in that, in that spiral, um, for, for a while. And, um, and in terms of, of depression, I think it's interesting that, you kind of think of, you know, what hopeless means. I have no hope, but sometimes it feels like um, there can be something beyond even hopeless, where it's just where I guess it's almost like a like a like a giving up any sort of idea that I have control over um, the good or bad outcomes that are that yeah, are happening to yeah, me and my family. Yeah, you don't have any control over it at all. It's all random. It's nothingness. It's just what it is. And if you are, if you're, listen, I'm on a completely different level. I, I, you know, in a similar situation, I was, I was telling my son last night, there were two hallmark moments where I said, I think I should have said this to you. And maybe this wouldn't have happened. And he's like, nah, it was going to happen anyway. And he started laying out why he thought it would happen anyway. And I think he was right. And yet my inclination was to say, yeah, but what if I would have, and then I'm what ifing, and then I'm like, this is just ridiculous. It, it's, it's, it's meaningless. It, it, it's fruitless. You'll never, it, it, I can't go backwards. Like I cannot go backwards. I cannot take him backwards. All I have is what we do next. And I'm either going to take him in the, I, I told my wife, I said, while we were sitting there waiting for the doctor to read the MRI. I thought to myself, 
I know what kind of parent I am, but let me just double check in a second. Am I about to be very upset or am I going to be stoic and pick the best path? Because there was like a child inside of me that wanted to just cry and just, Hmm. just give up. Like, he's like, just give up. You know what I mean? Like if there was a voice in my head, it was like, this is it. Get Scott, like, just let's cry and wallow and tell the kid how sorry we are and tell him his life's changed and it sucks and let's really dive into it together. And then when the doctor said it, I put my hand on his shoulder and I was like, we're going to work this out. Like, we'll do everything we can. We'll do everything that medicine understands and we will get you as far along this process as we can. But I wanted to just be like, man, I'm sorry, like, and just fall into it. But I don't think we lost yet. And I don't know that, I don't know that short of dying, there is any losing, right? There's just recalibrations and changing paths and living with the zombies. And, you know, just, just keep going. Like, because there's no alternative, Josh. Like, there's literally no alternative. Like, you're mm-hmm. either going to, like, look yourself in the mirror one day and be like, dude, that's it, man. Pull it together. Let's go. Right? Or you're going to be in this space. And the longer you stay in the space, the more likely it is that your son will find this space. So if you can't do it for yourself, fake it till you make it and do it for him. Like, I, I don't know that. I don't know that I've ever thought about it this much before, but like that's how it occurs to me in the moment. If yeah. That, if that makes any sense. Also, your Texas came out a minute ago. You referred to the well, podcast episodes as y'alls. Uh, I I've never heard it out of you before. That was the first time I heard it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. My my phone now doesn't care if I type out y'all or not. It <laughs> it, it lets me do it. So, um. Uh. I, I, I'm, I'm in that fake it till I make it zone. Yeah. But, um, you know, I was, I was actually, it was, I was realizing this the other day that, um, when, when I was younger with type one diabetes, we did not have the continuous glucose monitor. Um, and I did not want to check my blood sugar, but, um, you know, I kind of taught myself or, or was taught in some ways to continuously monitor how I felt. Do I feel low? Do I feel high? Am I going low? Am I going high? What do I think I'm, what's happening mm. to try to stave off any, you know, ups and downs that probably came, you know, even, uh, even more so when doing carb counting, but still without the continuous glucose monitor. Mm-hmm. And so, I think unfortunately that has continued on in my life when instead of, instead of knowing how I'm, I'm feeling, I can just look and say, okay, um, let's see what my blood sugar is. I'm 157. I'm actually coming down a little bit. Um, and, um, and, Okay. So I'm, I'm still having, I'm still doing that. How do I feel? How do I feel? How do I feel? How do I feel? And yeah. And I kind of realized it's, it, it's, it developed, um, this anxiety feedback loop. Yeah. And I've heard from people before. And 
you know, I want, I, I want to shut it off, but it's, it, it made me realize that like, you know, in the morning, you know, depending on how I slept, okay, I feel energized. Let's go. I've got these things to do. I'm going to take care of the day. And then, you know, around 11, I, you know, if I'm checking in myself again, it's like, oh man, I, I'm not really feeling that good. Okay. Maybe I need something to eat. Maybe I'm, you know, have too much caffeine. Maybe I have not, not enough caffeine. You know, all these sorts of things are going through my head to try to, I guess, maybe fake it till I make it. Mm. You're not used um, to the algorithm though, right? I am. You are. I am. You using a loop, mm-hmm. or yeah. using Control IQ? Loop. Okay. Is loop your... with the um, auto bolus. Yeah, that's a good. Your children are using I... the same thing? No, no, none of them want the um, want the pump on. Okay, so they're just doing MDI. Those. Yeah. Things. Okay. Uh, I would love to. I would love to give them the pump, but none of them want it yet. Yeah, one day they'll ask about it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So that takes a lot off of me um, until like, you know, the, uh, the, the cannulas, cannula, whatever, you know, comes out or, or whatever. And then I have to come back to my own, um, my own uh, health, but like also the, uh, I don't remember where I was going to go with that feedback. It just, it, it keeps me, um, I don't know where it, 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 it kind of keeps me in that, probably in that, what we were talking about, that, that anxiety. stuck you're point. Feel, you're in like an anxiety feedback loop where you're like, mm-hmm. I wonder if I'm okay. I am okay. Oh, good. I wonder if I'm okay. I'm not okay. Oh, good. But are you really, but, but let's just talk like, like there's, by the way, before I ask you this question, I have thought for the last 15 minutes, I wonder how a job change would impact your personal life. <laughs> I wonder if you're just too involved in how people feel. Because I would love to make um, furniture and bass guitars and work with wood um, for the for the rest of my life. Yeah. I, I say that, but then I'd probably get annoyed and you know a little bit too much of a perfectionist and wouldn't mm. be able to produce anything or something like that. <laughs> I just like you know. I mean, listen. There, I know men who in in their entire life haven't had as many deep thoughts as you've had in the last 25 minutes and they just move along like a train. You know what I mean? I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm just saying like, maybe like you don't have an escape because then when you go to work, you're going to delve into somebody else's thoughts and issues. And then you see, I'm assuming you see parallels between your personal life and how other people feel. And you probably mix and match and, and hold things up for um, assessment and, there's no downtime then for that. Um, it would seem to me, but anyway, um, what the hell was my question? That was stupid of me to cut myself off. Um, everything you just said about the anxiety and the feedback. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. What's your A1C? You know, that's something I, um, again, because of, of our lovely health insurance, um, conundrum i i keep on missing this gap of of getting my uh i have to order my labs to quest diagnostic rather than do it at the hospital and then i keep missing up and and not getting it done you know honestly because i i value the the dexcom information even more yeah and let me pull up my clarity yeah, what is it what does clarity say 
And Clarity's not going to show you an A1C. They're going to they call it something else now. Let's see. Yeah. Well, I forget what it is. Hold on. Um, do 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 GMI, whatever that stands for. Glucose management indicator is a six point nine. Okay. Do you, Average glucose one forty eight. Standard deviation fifty seven, which is a little bit on the high side, but okay. yeah. So do you are you ha- forget the numbers? Are you happy with the numbers, or do you want them to be different? I'm happy with my numbers. Okay. So, I'm happy with my children's numbers too, for the most part. Yeah. Um, we have this uh really late night slash early morning rise that we are trying to, to figure out with my daughter. But the, the thing with their, their numbers is that it's constantly changing. Like we talked about with the honeymooning, mm-hmm. you know, I, uh, I fluctuate, you know, um, at a plus or minus three, uh, with their, with their Traceba, you know, um, kind of making adjustments as we go. Well, well I, my point of asking was, is if you're comfortable with where you are, why do you care about, like, why is it an anxious thing? Like, it's going the way you want it to go. Like, where's the anxiety from? You see what I'm saying? Like, if I wanted to paint a wall blue and I was painting it and it was blue, I wouldn't be like, oh, my God, I'm very worried about the painting of this wall. It, it's working out exactly the way I thought it was going to. So your diabetes is going exactly how you thought it was going to and exactly how you want it to go. Why was it, why is it upsetting to you? Or is that just your general state and it applies to everything? I think it's, I think in the, um, in the past two months, it's been the celiac part of it. Okay. So you're having like, you're literally having like trauma from your childhood around eating because it's been brought up to you because of your son's eating change. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I don't need to charge you a copay to make this legal, do I? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But do you? I mean, if we tried to make it legal, I think there'd be issues in terms of the the cross state boundaries and all that sort of stuff. I also barely got out of high school, so there might be some issues with like regulatory commissions and things like that too. But that's not the point. The point is is that do you like you don't need me to tell you that? Like you know this already, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, right. So then the question is. And you haven't been listening recently, but I have uh, a couple of different like uh, people coming on with, with similar backgrounds to yours, and we're just talking things through diabetes-wise. And one of them, Erica, I said to her, um, you know, we always do this stuff, right? Like magazines put out lists of like the top 10 things you're supposed to look for. And, you know, we get out together on podcasts and tell people what to, you know, what they should be concerned about and what they should change. And I said, but in the end, like, can anybody really take that advice? Like, is that, is that the secret part of all this that we don't say out loud that it doesn't matter if you know that you're being controlled by a force that's bigger than your knowledge? Like, like if, if you can't figure it out, who the, who the hell can? And, and like, what do you say to people in this situation? Like if you were, if you were helping you, like, forget it's you for a second. Like, what do you do next? There, um, this part, uh, 
part of the the grief process mm-hmm. is acceptance, right? And grief doesn't necessarily have to be someone dying. Um, it can literally be losing your ability to go and have a happy meal. Yeah. I, I'm using that as an example. Just of of it's course. A, a funny example because it's called a happy meal. I didn't think about that part. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> By the way, if he eats it, it'll be an unhappy meal because it'll be in the bathroom. <laughs> Uh, well, that's oh, see, I didn't even add that part. That's the other thing. Is like he he doesn't have symptoms. Well, then he doesn't what the have. Hell are you eating gluten free then? Right. So we're eating gluten free because there was there was damage to his intestines. Oh, okay, okay. In the that they could see in the endoscopy, they did they did the biopsy, but he he doesn't have at least strong, you know, sick symptoms. You know, mm-hmm. and so. Instead of it being like, okay, stop eating pizza and you're going to feel better, it's just like, nah, stop eating pizza. So nothing's so, really changed for him. Correct. Besides him not being able to have pizza or happy meals. Um, there's there's a whole bunch more. You know, like just going to Olive Garden. Granted, we don't we wouldn't go to Olive Garden because of COVID, but like getting Olive Garden to go, right? Um, there's just things like that where. Um, How do you, we 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 found our stance? But the question is, like, how do you even weigh like um, the idea of okay, my son's at a birthday party, um, he doesn't even have celiac symptoms. Can he just have the cake? Oh, but wait, my adult perspective is thinking, okay, well that could put you know damage on his intestine, which you know maybe it ticks him up from a a 30% to a 31% chance of colon cancer at some point, you know, just Josh, how many birthday parties this kid going to, man, not, not very many at all. You know, I should think, I should think of another example, (laughs) but (laughs) I'm like, this kid's at a birthday party every other day. Um, just Uh, (laughs) give him, give him, let him have the cake. I I think that's, um, that's what our, um, GI doctor would also say. Yeah. I don't want to tell you, I don't have any other thoughts that aren't fairly common sense. I don't know a lot about anything. So, um, I mean, that just makes sense to me. I, I, I would just try that if I was you, I, I, you know, like, I mean, listen, if, if the kid's 65 years old one day and ends up with some, you know, uh, colon cells growing in his stomach and he gets something, I'm like, that's really going to be terrible. But I don't think that's going to something that happens to him now. And I hate to say this, but something's got to kill him. So, you know, like, like why ruin everything to avoid something that you might not be able to avoid anyway, or that might not even be a concern because that's, I, I have, um, the thing. I don't even know what it's, (laughs) I don't even know what it's called. I got an endoscopy. I'm, and it's this thing that can be precancerous, but isn't necessarily. And if, you know, I'll go back every three or five years or something. And if they find the cells, they'll just like scrape them out and keep going. And like, like that kind of thing. Like, I don't know, man, like, what am I going to do? You know what I mean? Like, like something's got to give somewhere. You, you, you can't, you can't be fortifying every direction including up, down, and coming from the center constantly. Because you guys might as well just go in the garage and start the car and, you know, go to sleep. Like, what's the point of this? Unless you've got, can you imagine you have an EV? 
And like three hours later, you're like, this is not working. Um, I but, would feel uh, I would feel really dumb. Yeah, you'd be like, um, God, I'm I'm distraught and stupid. <laughs> what a mess! And, and and I just ruined the environment a little bit more. A little bit more. You still have uh, electricity. <laughs> so, um, anyway, I don't think we should joke about suicide. <laughs> I just want to say that right now. <laughs> I, I, um, I hey, a mental health clinician joking about suicide. It's probably not the right thing to do. Is what I'm getting at. But I, I'm just I'm just trying to make the bigger like argument that. It's possible that if you ship me your kids, they'll have a... Do you want them? No, I don't want oh, my own. Okay. Stop that. Let's okay. not be okay, ridiculous, okay? I just... Can I tell you that as we were logging onto this, my son's tuition hit my credit card and it popped up on my screen. So I, I put my son's tuition through a credit card so I get points. Mm-hmm. So it's not like I'm, I'm not charging his college education, uh, but um, I'm doing it so that I can, you know, so I get points. And it popped up and I was mortified like i was like, I was like oh, oh god no it was like right before you came on i was i was like oh god this is horrible i don't want your children i barely want my own don't say that but what i'm <laughs> saying is is unless your kid's a big dummy you don't think he's going to need any secondary education after high school and then maybe i can handle him <laughs> for a little while but you got to send diabetes supplies uh but but my point is you know what i've been thinking while we were talking listen to one podcast today listen to arden talk about diabetes I, okay. I think it will be so incredibly 180 degrees from how you think about it that it might help you a little bit. She doesn't think about it at all. Like ever. It, it's almost stunning to hear her talk about it. And I wondered if you took me those two kids and shipped them up here and lived here for a month, if you would notice that I don't feel the way you feel. I'm a little, I could be dispassionate. They're not my children, but I also, mm-hmm. I don't think about diabetes the way you do. And I understand why you think about it the way you do. Like, don't get me wrong. You have a, a history with it that I don't have, but also it's a personal history. I don't not have a history. When you think of my friend, Mike, I, I literally know that diabetes can kill you if you don't manage it well. And so I have that in the back of my head constantly, and I still don't feel the way you feel. And so you could just, I don't know, like maybe you can't, like don't get me wrong, but but if it's within you, you could just shift your paradigm. You could just be like, this isn't how we think about this anymore. We're going to do this. You're going to have a cupcake at a birthday party, and we're not going to worry about that ever once, ever again. That is just going to happen. Some things are beyond control. Um, and I'm going to be happy with my A1C where it is, and I'm not going to spend every day going, how do I feel? How do I feel? How do I feel? Because... It, you're running an algorithm. Just set alarms. Set alarms on your Dexcom, and if the alarms aren't going off, promise yourself not to think about your diabetes. I mean, that to me, like, I don't know if that's doable, but that's the only answer. If it's going to work, that's the only answer. Because you're not going to, you're not going to talk yourself out of this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there's always going to be a reason to sit next to your kid in an office and cry and go, man, we got screwed. We really got screwed. Like Josh, I don't know how meaningful this is to other people, but my son was throwing a baseball 92 miles an hour off the mound five weeks before this happened. And now he's not supposed to move his arm in a forward motion for the next eight weeks. So I don't know if it's going to, it might work out fine and it might not be a big deal to people who don't understand but my kid's been playing baseball since he's four and he's 21. And 
it's a big chunk of his life. If it goes away, he'll have to meaningfully redefine who he is. And it's, it's like it, it is him not having a happy meal again. Oh yes. Except, except if your son ate happy meals, 24 hours a day. (laughs) And when he didn't, well, let's say, you know, like in in a way, celiac, if you, if you think about, the foods that we have, I know that there's lots of gluten-free foods out there, but if you also get into the nitty gritty, you know, if, um, with restaurants and with how, um, uh, gluten-free foods are packaged, um, there, the contaminant levels and stuff like that, but that's much more in the nitty gritty. And I know there's lots of gluten-free stuff, but my, we, we live in a, a, a wheat based society. You know, it would be an interesting idea if, um, you know, if we went back, you know, thousands of years and kind of um, encouraged rice more than wheat. Yeah, but there's you, there's so much stuff. Or you mm-hmm. can just put him in front of a deer and let him gnaw at it. Like it, he'd, yeah. yeah. Listen, I'm going to give you some advice from a, a classic film, The Lost World, Jurassic Park, um, <laughs> where they said, "Don't go into the long grass." So you got to stay out of the weeds a little bit. Yeah. You know, especially stay out of the, the wheat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Stay out of the wheat because the kid doesn't even have any symptoms. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you found out because he has diabetes and because people tested, which I don't think is bad information to have, but I don't know that it feels actionable at this moment. You know, like, I mean, if you want to avoid, listen, if I'm you, based on my experiences, I'd avoid processed foods. Listen, forget Josh, all you listening. You want some great advice? Eat as few processed foods as you can. Try not to take in too many processed oils either. Your life will be better. Th- that that's all. Like, like you're you're focused on one thing, cupcake. It's what it's it's not the food. Like if you if your son never ate a cupcake again in his entire life, it wouldn't matter, and he wouldn't care. It's it's your it's the meaning that you're attaching to the food. Wow, I didn't realize this. This should be a whole episode about food. It's the meaning that you're attaching to the food that's the problem, not the food. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's meaningless. Like it it's literally just a it's a a false idol. Like the cupcake's a false idol for you. It's it's something that you're you're ascribing more meaning to than it exists. And I mean people will be like, "Oh, there's great celiac you know friendly cupcakes and i'm sure there is by the way um mm-hmm. but who cares like never eat a cupcake again like why does it like why would that matter even you're not thinking about this right you need more context you need a zombie to chase you you really do like you need, you need something where you're just like oh hell i don't give a shit <laughs> let's get out Jeez. of here <laughs> you're you're right yeah um it, but it's it's tell a seven or that I guess a three-year-old and a 10-year-old never eat a cupcake again or never I eat this tell, cupcake. Can I tell you something? Let me write down the time here because I'll have to go back and delete this out. There we go. <laughs> I wouldn't tell him shit. <laughs> I, like, I grew up in the 70s. My father never one time explained anything that was happening to me. <laughs> He didn't even. I, he didn't even care how I felt the tiniest little bit. Is that right? It is not. But it, it's just. It's also not wrong. Sometimes, like sometimes he's ten, man. Stand in front of him and be like, "Listen, brother. No more. Sucks, right? We're not doing it. Three weeks from now, you'll never remember. Let it go. 
We're out of here. Let's move on to something else and get out of here. And don't ever, don't tell him anything. Like I, this is probably completely backwards to your training, but. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, totally. And, and to all the, it's an, an, antithetical to our, you know, our parenting style yeah. and who he is as a person. I can do that to my three-year-old yeah. because she's not going to remember. Um, she's not going to remember good times and gluten. So yeah. Well, while I was lamenting with my wife the other night about how I worry about everybody, I told her, I was like, I'm less, it's funny, I'm less worried about the children than I am about you. And she goes, why? And I said, well, I met you as an adult. I never got to tell you what to do. And she's like, what? I'm like, uh, so I, I backed up. And I said, parenting to me is a little bit like bumping and nudging with insulin. Like, so to me, it's you, you have control of people when they're younger. And so you can point them in a general direction. Like, and you can pick the direction. This is a good direction for them. And then if they start veering away, you can kind of just like stand behind them and just kind of nudge them back a little bit. Oh, head back that way. Don't talk to Katie. I think she's going to do heroin one day. Like, you know what I mean? Like a little bit of that stuff. And you just kind of, oh, not that boy over here. You know, and you just, you do that a little bit, a little nudging, a little bumping. And you don't do it like that. It's not out loud. It's sort of, you know, I mean, if you don't see yourself a little bit like a puppet master as a parent, I don't, I don't know what you're thinking, but you, you've got a little bit of a little bit of control of, over what they think about and what they care about. And so you nudge them around. And I said, with you, I said, there are things like, not that this wouldn't be true of everybody or that somebody couldn't do it for me. But I said, for my wife, I was like, there have been times where if you would have taken my advice, you'd be better off now. And she goes, well, I agree with that. I was like, okay, cool. I was like, but I, I can't help you. Like you're beyond help. Like you're an adult, you have your own thoughts and I can't bump and nudge you. Every time I bump you, you swap my hand away. <laughs> your son's only 10, man. You could just point him in the right direction and be like, this is it, man. This is the world in front of us. Like that other stuff over there, that doesn't exist. So we're not going to look at that anymore. And before you know it, he wouldn't care. Like he wouldn't think about it anymore. I just don't think those people on The Walking Dead are missing cupcakes is all I'm saying. And I know that's a completely made up thing, but it's it's also if I took you guys out in the woods and left you there and you couldn't find your way back, I mean, you'd have about a thousand thoughts before. Can you believe there's no cupcake today? Like, and maybe the worst thing that's ever happened to you is the worst thing that's ever happened to you. I guess. Are these the same woods that grow playboys? Well, playboys and dinosaurs, apparently. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Listen, I got to just ask you a question. How old are you? Uh, 36. 36. About to be 36. So, So you were, 16 20 years ago in 1981 no 1991 yeah when i was like 10 years old it was 1981 and the biggest mistake we ever made in my life we found those 30 books in the in the woods is i gave them to my dad i was like we found these and i don't think we should keep them you know, after we looked at them, we gave them to him. <laughs> and so, uh, and now I realize as an adult, he was probably like, oh, free nudie books. Cool. <laughs> like, I don't know whatever happened to them, but apparently there were like, you know how kids drink in the woods? Mm-hmm. I guess they, I'm going to have to write the time down again. Hold on a second. <laughs> 33. I guess they off in the woods too. <laughs> like, I don't know. I never did, but uh, I mean, 
I couldn't think of any other reason now looking back while they were there. Aren't you happy you had the internet as a child? <laughs> that's, uh, that's an interesting uh, thought. I never really thought about that. I know, uh, oh, I, can't I don't know laughing. how pertinent is this, but my, my friend said he had a, a naked picnic in the woods once. Not, <laughs> with, with somebody, not by himself. So I don't know. Wait, wait, with like a friend or like a... a uh, it was a female friend. A sexual yeah. acquaintance. Oh, okay. I don't, but I don't think anything happened. They just took but, their clothes yeah. off and ate lunch. I guess so. I don't. I don't know. Honestly, I, I don't know. I think it was gluten free. Because <laughs> <laughs> I want your son to be able to do it too. <laughs> sure. Oh my god. You know. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was gonna. I was gonna start uh, thinking about like the price of gluten free food and and all that sort of stuff. It's so, so expensive. My goodness, and. Uh, when I had to eat gluten-free for a month so the doctors could check something, I gained weight too. Because, uh, But this was different. It's because I, in my mind, I commingled gluten-free with healthier. Yeah, and I was like, oh, I can eat as much as I want of this. It's gluten-free. Turns out that was not the case. <laughs> that was not the case. It, it certainly can be because it's interesting. So it really kind of pushes things out to the edges because gluten-free can be Med, you know, Mediterranean style, fresh vegetable, you know, uh, sort of food, or it could be, um, these super processed foods that, oh, you have to add this and this and this weird thing and this weird thing to make it chewy, kind of like there would be gluten in it. Right. So, um, yeah. Dude, you're it in can Texas. Be, Why don't you just get the kid a bunch of barbecue and be done with it? I mean, we certainly do that, yeah. and and, it, and things would be a whole heck of a lot easier if we lived in Austin. We're about an hour away from Austin, yeah. um, because you know, Austin is the the land of um, trendy eating. Yeah, no kidding. There would be more options, I guess. Well, how about this? I thought of this earlier. Like, maybe you guys should learn to cook. <laughs> <laughs> I've got um, red beans and rice going right now, so there it's my go. wife's recipe. Nice. Yeah, I mean, I just. Listen, man, here's the truth. This is going to be okay. And if it's not, you're stopping it from being okay. That's it. I don't see any, I don't see any way around that being the truth. Do you? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's going to be okay because it right. has to be okay. Yeah. Right. It is just going to be okay. I, I listen, I, um, <clears throat> I'm adopted. Someone had me and gave me away. And then I was adopted by people who got divorced and my father left on my 13th birthday. <laughs> we lived on $70 worth of food a week. It was me and my two brothers and my mom. At one point it got so bad. The state offered to take her children off her hands for her. She declined. Um, I thought I was going to live. You've heard me talk a lot, right? I thought I was going to work in a sheet metal shop my entire life. Like that was no one educated me. No one um, had any hope for me. The idea was go to school because the state makes you and then go get a job with your uncle and pay attention and maybe he'll let you run a machine one day and pay you some extra money. Like that was my whole life. That was the entirety of my expectations. I had to teach myself to drive when I was 13 because we couldn't go get food and my mom didn't drive. So we took in a border to make an extra $50 a month. And this guy had a car, which I am certain was not registered or insured that I taught myself <laughs> how to drive when I was 13. Um, 
I lived through my mom deciding one night that drinking would be her way out, and I stopped her. My mom went bankrupt when I was a kid, and I facilitated the bankruptcy. I was like 15 years old. I never thought I would have two nickels to rub together. Never. And then I met a girl who saw me and not my situation. And that allowed me to dream about more stuff. And then today, as crazy as it sounds, because we've said a lot of stupid things on here, I make the most popular diabetes podcast in the world. And it helps so many people that if I told you how many people it helps, it would embarrass me. And if I look back on my life prior to that, how could I have expected any of this to happen? And the only thing I can tell you, the only thing I can believe that got me from where I was to where I am is that I wake up every day incredibly hopeful. Even when shit is really, really going wrong. And there have been times in my life where it has been going really, really wrong. And so I don't know another way where if my way helps anybody else, but to me, we're all running from zombies. And if you stop to see what happened to Katie, it's going to happen to you next. And there very well may be something better over the bridge. So I mean, you're either going to die here or keep going. Might as well keep going. Got nothing else to do. Um, that just to me, like life, feels like that. It just feels like walking forward. And sometimes you're, you know, you walk into a field of flowers and sometimes you walk into a, a, a bunch of weeds and you start thinking about the calorie counts of celiac items in the grocery store. <laughs> uh, and um, I just think that you can't stand still. Like, that's it. And you're such a smart, thoughtful person. Like, I'm, in the two times that we've spoken, I have found myself equally very much liking you, finding you incredibly um, affable and smart and f feeling. And then there's part of me that feels badly that you, you're stuck in your own head. And, and that, that's it. And you don't deserve to be felt badly for. Like that isn't who you are in my estimation. Of course, a person who's known you for three hours. Uh, but, I like the way that you just put that, you know, I don't, cause I don't want, I don't want people to feel, you know, badly for me. Um, and I don't, I don't want to feel badly for me. So why would, why would I feel badly for me if I didn't want people to feel badly for me? Yeah. And I think that takeaway of that thinking about, okay, how long, is too long to uh, to sit and stew before the zombies get me. Mm -hmm. Which, by the way, do you have something against Katie's? Is like it's the third the, Katie. It's just, the, it's just the name that popped up the first time, and I was uh -huh. going for consistency. <laughs> I just wanted consistency. That's all. And uh, oh, me too. <laughs> yeah, I know you. I'm wanna... more of a, I'm more of like a Chad or a Cooper. They 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 get eaten. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't I don't like the the pretty boys in the monster movies aren't, aren't really my style. So I, in my mind, by the way, Katie is in a, uh, a tied up top it's plaid and she's wearing cutoff shorts. Just so everybody, okay. everybody knows where I'm at. <laughs> gotcha. So, and, and just kind of, you know, sometimes that hope part where you, you like you said, you, I would imagine that 
you know, in the past 20 years, there's been mornings that you haven't, you woke up, you've woken up without the hope that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And I guess remembering that there are days that feel like that, but keep the scales tipped towards hope. Yeah. Towards, um, towards thinking about, you know, that my son will have the, um, you know, the most popular something, uh, diabetes and celiac podcast conjoined together or something like that. Something. I Um, mean, he's going to have something, you know what I mean? Listen, on those days when I wake up, I think to myself, yo man, you got to go. Like it's time. Like you made babies. You promised that girl, like go do it, you know, go do it right now. And I get up. I just don't, I don't know another way, but I grew like, but my existence right now around diabetes and, you know, thyroid and these other issues that people in my family have, my, my iron thing, like all of that compared to how I lived when I was a child, this is a fairy tale. So I have something worse to imagine. And I wonder if you just don't have something worse to imagine. I feel like I do. Do you? But your thing's so connected to your kid, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, it would be hard for me to, like, like this is going to be an extreme thing. But, uh, like, you know, I have, I'd have a hard time thinking that a Holocaust survivor would be held down by a celiac diagnosis. Yeah. Like, that kind of a feeling. They'd be like, I just can't have bread. <laughs> like, you know, like, like you, they have context that. I mean, I think of them as people who have context more than anybody really on the planet, but uh, even as they are getting older and there's fewer of them. But I mean, that's a thing. Like I said to somebody the other day, like, how can we be a country of people who won World War II and so few decades later be genuinely oppressed by a person we barely know on Facebook saying something that may or may not be focused at us that we think is focused at us. Like, how did that happen? Like, how did we go from, and, and I just think that it's, it's, it's experiences and, and what you're, what you know is the bottom. And when what you know is the bottom is that your iPhone battery drains faster than you wished it would. Then suddenly you know, someone on Facebook who's like, I hate it when my friends are not supportive of me. And you go, oh, God, I think she means me. She means me. I feel badly. I should call her. Like, like, like I just I go back to somebody who lived through the depression. I was like, you know, your neighbor doesn't like you. And they'd be like, what? I don't care. <laughs> what is that? I have no time for that. I'm considering eating a cat today. You, you know what I mean? Like, like, that's just we we don't have that anymore. Our, our our ceiling is so over our head with our expectations and we, we don't know anything, nothing bad happens. And not that I'm not minimizing it. Celiac is terrible. Diabetes is terrible. Thyroid is terrible. But you know, there's a woman in the community right now that just found out she has brain cancer. And I bet you she takes some celiac over that. You, you know what I mean? And like, it, but being able to hear that and then making making that meaningful to you, like that's the piece about mental health that I have been fascinated by while I've been making this podcast the entire time, because you are not stopping yourself on purpose. I know that. 
Um, and me explaining the common sense side of it is valueless to you. I know that too. Um, it, it is a very, it, it's such a confusing problem. Like, like anything to do with your brain and, and how it kind of gets in your own way. Sometimes it's, a, it's an incredibly confusing problem. And I have nothing but like the greatest amount of empathy for people who are impacted by it in any way at all. Um, I don't know if talking about it helps people or not. I really don't like there's part of me that thinks that this is a, an immense waste of time. And I, and I, I don't like feeling that way. I think, and, and it's definitely my profession, but I think talking about it is the, uh, is always at least the, the start of, of helping the problem. Yeah, I hope so. I've just, I'm, I'm up to have interviewed, I think I've interviewed three people with bipolar disorder now and type one diabetes or people who have been addicted to hard drugs. Um, people who have been abused, um, they've gone through real, like real issues in their life. And you get to the end of those conversations and you're just like, where's the light here? You know, um, you know, what is it that, what is the best they can hope for? And for you, like the best seems really great. Um, it's the getting you to hope for it part that seems like the impediment. Um, but I mean, the best I can say to you, and maybe this will end up being uh, backfiring is like, you, you don't want to be the reason why your son feels like this one day. That, mm -hmm. that'll, that'll crush you, man. Like you look back and you see this feeling in him when he's 25 and you're going to blame yourself. And whether that's fair or not, you don't deserve to go through that. So I hope you can do something now that stops you from feeling that way in the future. You know, I don't know, that's a, I don't know what my hope does for you, but I I'm hopeful for you. So, yeah, you know, that's an, that's a, um, I guess a, a consistent standard that I try to keep going where, um, I don't want to be the, I don't want to be the hurdle that my kid has to, jump over yeah uh, me either and i i struggled for the first probably 10 years of being a parent with like my reactions to like how to handle things were so rooted in how my dad treated me and i would stop myself but it was still like there all the time like you know you're just like you know for the first couple of you know years like they did something wrong like in my mind i was like smack them that's the right thing to do that's what i would have got somebody would have smacked me and then I'm like, no, that's not right. But it still popped into my head. And I'm proud to tell you that there was a day where it stopped popping into my head. I was like, wow, I broke a, like I broke a circle. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I was really proud of myself. Mm -hmm. I was like, ah, I can't believe that's not, it doesn't come to me anymore. Like I wasn't doing it, but I am also not a person who's never like whacked their kid on the butt. You know, like I've, I've, I've definitely done that. And it was to the such lesser degree than it was done to me. But, um, just, I, I think breaking those circles is possible. Um, it just takes a lot of help, like a lot of practice and you can't give up. And it's also helpful if somebody's there for you. Like if you're, if you tell your wife to look for things and, you know, say a code word when she sees you going down a path or something like that. And like anything like that, you know, that can kind of, cause you're really just trying to reprogram your mind. Right. What about that? Um, I'm going to let you go after this. We've been doing this forever, but what is that? eye therapy that people keep telling me about emdr yeah eye motor desensitization something or other um it's for uh ptsd 
typically. Um, I'm at, I wonder if, if they've been trying to do research into other sorts of things where it really is kind of like that reprogramming your mind and, um, you know, finding ways of accessing, I, I guess, that more internal um, automatic thought sort of part of your brain by using these eye movements to kind of go make you go from left brain to right brain. I think that's my understanding of it. I, I would love to have training on it, but um, it's expensive and I don't, I would not have uh, any use for it in my current position. So um, yeah, I don't know. I, but but that's but retraining your mind. Like you said, is, is, you know, is kind of a key tenet of cognitive behavioral therapy, something that a lot of people have heard of. Um, and just do, you know, reframing those automatic thoughts, mm-hmm. you know, um, today is not going to be a shitty day. Today is going to be an okay day. Mm-hmm. And, um, and giving yourself reasons of, uh, why that is, you know, and, and, um, making those reasons more forthright than the reasons why it might be a shitty day. Yeah. I gotcha. Well, listen, I, I, I love talking to you. Um, I, I hope you have a ton of success. I hope you come back on a year from now and you're like, Scott, everything's great. Uh, let's make this a weekly thing. I mean, I'm, I'm getting a lot out of it. You yeah, know? no, no, no. I can't do this for you. I'm very busy. <laughs> <laughs> a lot going on. Uh, but I, I don't, I, I don't, um, I don't not agree. Like, I think the talking's super healthy and, and important for people listening or for yourself even. And, uh, you know, I'm glad you were willing to do this. You're very open-minded. I, I know I say things that fly in the face of your professional training sometimes, and you're just so affable and, and uh, lovely to talk to. So I appreciate your time. Yeah. I appreciate your time. Yeah. Good luck with your kids, man. And, and, and everything else. I, uh, seriously, if you're, if your wife like hits you in your sleep or something, just let her know it. It's, it's probably, you probably are. <laughs> I'm going to go hug my kids and apologize to my wife right now. Are you really? I was thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. I could use a hug, Dude. Josh. I, don't, <laughs> I mean, not that you're, you're not here, but I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't want to have a naked picnic or anything like that, but I, if you mm-hmm. were here, I would definitely hug you when we were done with this. <laughs> uh, maybe, you know, maybe there's a, a neighbor or some, you know, that I could picnic around. with. No, I was no. thinking just a hug, <laughs> oh, but okay. if you wanted to ask them to that, you could. Kelly's downstairs. I'll hug her and she'll be like, Oh God, what did you guys talk about? <laughs> <laughs> I actually have a neighbor who is, and I don't want to use clinical terms incorrectly, but batch crazy. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> it's, uh, I don't think hugging them would be a great idea. Um, the good old BSC. She, uh, if it's not in the, the DSM, maybe it should be. Yeah. When I run out of diabetes things to talk about one day, I will talk for an hour about the people who live across the street from my house. Let me just leave you with this teaser in case it ever does happen. Uh, 3 a.m. trimming the grass with kitchen shears. That's all, Josh. Let it let it resonate. <laughs> I'm not a horticulturist or or any sort of lawn care professional, but I can't imagine any reasons of of, of being out in the lawn at 3 a.m. I think, and I don't mean to make light of it, honestly, but I think that might be something we're quieting some voices or something's going on. But um, they've done so many like Adams Family level things since I've lived here that. Uh, it, it's it, it's actually not funny. If I made them a character in a sitcom, you'd be like, oh, it's over the top. They overwrote that. 
and he, and I wouldn't have to I wouldn't have to gild the lily at all telling their <laughs> stories and you'd just be like that's not believable I'm like yeah okay uh, anyway uh, I'll stop this recording and I'll tell you something that will make you laugh before you go okay I'll, thank you for doing this. First, a huge thanks to Josh for him. First, a huge thanks to Josh for coming back on the show and continuing to tell his story again so bravely and honestly. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Josh. Thanks also to Dexcom, makers of the Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor. Go to Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox to learn more, get started, or to get your hands on that Hello Dexcom kit that gives you a free 10-day trial of the Dexcom G6. Go find out if you're eligible. And to learn more about the Omnipod Dash and to see if you're eligible for that 30-day trial, go to omnipod.com forward slash juice box. I'm going to run out of music. I'll be right back. Hold on. Ready? I, I just should have talked. Why didn't I just talk right over it? Now I feel silly. Uh, don't forget also to learn more about Omnipod 5, uh, which was just cleared by the FDA the, the other day. To learn more about it, right? To, the, to find out more about Omnipod's newest system, their automated delivery system. They call it an AID, automated insulin delivery. I mean, it's it's magical, and you should go check it out. Episode 620, we talk about it front to back, top to bottom. You're going to understand everything about it when you're done. Well worth your time if you haven't heard it. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back soon with another episode of the Juicebox podcast. This may have been the longest episode ever. If you're actually still listening at two hours and one minute, let me tell you that I think you would really enjoy the private Facebook group for the podcast. Juicebox Podcast Type 1 Diabetes has over 20,000 members. 